This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Curtis Lewa. Curtis Lewa. Rip and read. Check this out. This is the Rip and Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Talking about. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. This is the Rip and Read. Cadillac, way before your time, Nancy, way before your time. In fact, before my time, Sugar Ray Robinson, one of the greatest pound-for-pound fighters of all time, based in Harlem, where he would uh, fight at the gym in preparation for his many battles with the raging bull, Jake LaMotta, featured in maybe what is the uh, number one rated movie of all time, Raging Bull. And... uh, here he is. He'd be riding his pink Cadillac around. Now, if he were to still be alive and was riding his pink Cadillac below 60th Street in Manhattan, he probably would get clipped if everything happens the way Kathy Hoko wants and Eric Adams and everybody else wants to gouge the taxpayers even more. Probably $15 minimum, maybe more by the... Uh, End of May, beginning of June. In fact, today there are back-to-back, belly-to-belly protests. One taking place now downtown in favor of congestion pricing, saying that that will encourage more folks to be riding bicycles using mass transit. And then I believe our very dear friend Bob Holden, city councilman from uh, Middle Village, uh, Glendale, and Massbeth, will be hosting... uh, a rally outside of Tom Swazi's uh, office uh, with uh, those Republicans and Democrats who oppose the congestion pricing. That'll be about 6 o'clock today because uh, Swazi is pro-congestion pricing and in his race with Mozzie, and I'll be all over campaigning for Mozzie on this weekend, but in his race against Mozzie, he has defended congestion pricing even though he's in uh, his district, the third district, would include the North Shore of Nassau, Suffolk, and also Whitestone, Queens, where I don't think there are many, if any, people in favor of congestion pricing that Swazi uh, and uh, Mazi is opposed to it. But why don't you break it down? Because clearly there are a lot of people taking sides, whether Democrat or Republican or Independent. You've got some who say this is the answer to forcing more people to use mass transit, less traffic, less congestion, more bicycles, less cars, less trucks. And those who are saying that its implementation will just cripple the city. It won't ever recover if uh, there's going to be another tax levied on people's heads who 
drive south of 60th Street. Where are we with all of this? Yeah, so, I mean, it seems like whatever support that there was initially for this plan, uh, you know, by some of the lawmakers, is definitely very dwindled right now. So you have a series of lawsuits, and, the you know, depending upon who who the party is that's bringing the lawsuit, they have a variety of different claims. I mean, most of them include, to some element, like the lack of the environmental impact study, which I think is really probably the biggest thing because what they're doing is they're cutting off, um, you know, the congestion pricing area is south of 60th Street all the way, uh, you know, to the tip of Manhattan. So what that's going to do is now force everyone who doesn't want to get that congestion pricing to use the FDR or the West Side Highway. Now, you think about how how busy it gets in the tunnels because when people are using the bridge, if they're trying to save the money, right? So that's why the Brooklyn Bridge and those exits going there always get so, so backed up. Now you're going to have people coming out of the tunnels and before they can funnel anywhere, they're going to be put in this like super highway of where everyone's going to save money. So the environmental impact study for, for that to have passed seems really ridiculous, um, number one. But the, the other problem with this is it's like the exceptions to this rule basically just threaten to make it totally useless. There's, there's way too many exceptions and the level of bureaucracy that's going to be required to make sure that these exceptions are enforced is, I can't imagine how much it's going to cost to enforce this. This is ridiculous. Kathy, Hochul wanted to give certain exemptions to people coming in from Brooklyn, Queens, and the Bronx. Then you have Eric Adams, the mayor, who wanted to give exemptions to uh, people driving cabs, Uber, Lyft, everyone, and also anyone coming for a doctor's appointment, of which there are so many prominent doctors where people are used to uh, being seen by their personal doctor of choice who have offices south of 60th Street. You, you have to find parking, which you need uh, basically a payday loan, reverse mortgage to park for a few hours. And it's just, I, I, I just don't, well, first off, just line up where the, or where the opposition is. And it's, it's an amazing degree of people who are actually coming together in a bipartisan way uh, to protest the congestion pricing. Probably the, the strangest one uh, is the UFT chairman, Michael Mogul, who actually resides in Staten Island, joining up with uh, Vito Vassella, the Republican conservative borough president. And Mogul and the UFT are funding the lawsuit to stop congestion pricing. Yeah, now again, their lawsuit uh, in, in part obviously is based on the environmental economic damage, but they're really focusing on their workers and they're saying that they're being disproportionately financially burdened, uh, the public sector workers who have to travel in there. So um, more or less it's arguing for, you know, not only for this not to be instituted, but then maybe secondarily, if it goes forward, for this exception to be carved out of these uh, union workers. The interesting thing is, is that if you're a member of the UFT, if you're active, not retired, but if you're active, you can live almost anywhere. You can live in Connecticut. Let's say, hypothetically, you lived in Fairfield County. You could live there as long as you could get to your teaching assignment or administrative assignment uh, in any of the five boroughs. The other unions, uh, let's say uniform services, you restricted cops, firefighters, civil servants, many of whom want to live in the Poconos where you can get an affordable house. It's a two-hour ride on the bus from the Port Authority, one way, two hours back. But um, I think I understand uh, what the motivation for Michael Mogru is to join with Vita Vosella. That's an odd couple right well, there. Well, and, and just to sort of give a, a, like a little bit of a, a broader um, explanation of how this is going to work, because you know, initially I thought that this was something that was strictly going to be enforced during the time 
of, uh, you know, the hours when it's most used, right? Rush hour. Peak hours. Yeah, peak hours. But there's actually, um, now what, who's actually advising? It's called the Traffic Mobility Review Board. So you're going to want to look into these people. They're not actually part of the government. They just advise and they make recommendations. And the MTA has to decide whether or not they want to accept them. But they're also partners. So, you know, quasi-governmental um, board. Then you have half in the bag, Governor Murphy. Yes. Who has filed a lawsuit against congestion pricing. He's got to be successful because, remember, he has put up his wife to run in the U.S. Senate Democratic primary to replace Bobby Menendez. Bobby is still running, although he's under indictment for a second time. Uh, the count, the uh, Congressman Kim is running in that primary. He's ahead of the polls, and um, Murphy's wife is second. He's got to fight against congestion pricing or those— because then she doesn't have a shot at winning that Democratic primary. Yeah, so now in their lawsuit, again, the same thing. They have the environmental review and the complete lack thereof. Um, but, but they make an interesting claim, really constitutional claim, Federal Commerce Clause, which has to do with, you know, you're affecting inter- interstate travel, which you are. I mean, you're, you're making – so that's actually a very curious uh, claim to be making. It might be more successful. It may have, you know, at least uh, the – I mean, that could be successful, that one. But again, what it, what's happening is because there's so many lawsuits that are going on and they're trying to rush these lawsuits because it's so, you know, it's such a pressing issue. They want to make sure the lawsuits are rushed through. But once the, the fee structure itself is finalized, which could be the end of March, that's when the MTA is going to start pushing it forward. So, again, I just wanted to give a little bit of an overview. So passenger vehicles, right, 15. Now, taxis, they have a 125 per ride. So that's like a surcharge, which will, which will be passed on to you, the, the person riding. 250 for the ride shares. Then you have small trucks, 24, large trucks, $36. Now, again, the exceptions that they have, um, besides all of the, um, you know, the city, uh, you know, they have the different um, city, um, you know, vehicles. So, for instance, emergency vehicles, things of that nature. There's a whole slew of exceptions that they've made, which include um, people who uh, live in the zone and make less than $60,000 a year. Who are eligible for a tax credit. So now imagine this. You have to put forward paperwork to an or- a bureaucracy that's going to determine whether or not you're eligible for this. Then you have to pay it ahead of time and then get a rebate later. Talk, talk about the amount of money that's going in to enforce this right there. And then again, right, all these different exceptions they're carving out. And on the off hours, the not peak hours, you still have to pay. It's just going to be reduced 75%. You're paying all the time. There is no time you're not paying. Now, most of this money that they hope to make, once it's imposed, if it's not defeated in court, will only offset the amount of money they're losing now on fare evasion. So as an example, 40% of bus riders are not paying their fare, almost 20% of those using the subway. Now, last night while we were patrolling Times Square, we stopped in the subway systems because it's massive. People massively coming in. And I happen to be accompanied by Paul Morrow, who is the like police guy at the Fox News Channel. He, he was a deputy inspector. He's, uh, uh, he's actually uh, looked up to uh, in international circles for policing. But we were on a, um, a time machine. He was talking about how that used to be his beat. Right there in Times Square, it was out of Midtown North, and he talked about what they would do for fare evasion. So while we're talking there, right behind us, there are a number of people who are going through the gate 
there were people going under the turnstile, over the turnstile. There was one woman dropped her cell phone while going under the turnstile, was screaming curses <laughs> and invectives, picked her phone up. I would say probably in the five minutes we were there, even though looking at us and assuming that, well, who, who's the cop? Because Paul Murrow looks like a, an undercover cop. I'd say about a good third of the people just bogarted the fair. They just ignored it. There was a token booth clerk. Uh, he wasn't doing anything. Why they were token booth clerks, I don't know. They were supposed to be station agents uh, a year ago. They're supposed to be walking around, dealing with station issues. No cops. Even though a transit police substation is right there on that level, just a few hundred feet away, absolutely no enforcement. And I'll finish on this. Andrew Evelines Cuomo, when he was governor, right before the lockdown and pandemic of March of uh, 2020, had proposed in the budget putting aside money to hire 500 MTA cops. They are state cops. Generally, MTA cops guard property like at Jamaica Station, the last stop when you uh, you connect to the plane to the plane, uh, the, the train to the plane to uh, JFK. They guard MTA property. They guard the yards for Metro North, for the Long Island Railroad, for the subway system, for the bus barns. That's their primary job. He was going to have just 500 of them hired to do and stop fare evasion. And then all of a sudden, a lockdown and pandemic, and I never heard of that program again. If you don't stop folks at the turnstile, you lose control of the system as long as they're paying. But if they see, and you've seen it yourself, Nancy, how many people now are not paying who maybe just months ago would have been paying every day, but they figure, like, why should I pay? Nobody else is paying. Well, I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's certainly learned behavior. And because it's so rampant, it's it's everywhere. You, you kind of feel silly if you are paying. And it really seems like there's no reason to because when you are dealing with such horrific service in these dirty stations, in, in the dirty subway cars, yeah, there is a part of you that feels like, what am I paying for? And, you know, it's interesting. When you break it all down, it's just really meant to offset all the loss from fare evasion at the turnstile. And naturally, uh, when you get on a bus and you swipe your Metro card or you use your uh, your newfangled technology, iPhone, smartphone, and you just, boom, zap it. This This is absolutely nuts. It's falling apart. Before it even gets into court, all the exemptions being carved out. Nancy has hit on so many transit issues on this rip and read. Stay on it and continue to inform us of all the carve outs that are basically going to uh, negate the impact this was supposed to have. Because everyone is not going to have to pay their fair share if if it actually uh, remains unmolested by the various lawsuits that Nancy has just explained. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system.
With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. Curtis doesn't know about you, but he rips and reads. This is the Rip and Read. Old man, look at my life. I'm a lot like you were. Old man, look at my life. I'm a lot like you classic song by Neil Young. Hate to tell you, Nancy uh, Sliwa, song was uh, created before you were birthed. This applies to me now. I'll be 70 in March. And uh, I actually fit into what the story of the day is. Hyman Silverglade, age 91. Because of the ordeal he has been put through on so many fronts, has said no person over 65 is safe any longer in New York City. And I concur. I'm sort of an exception to the rule because I'm a target uh, for many. But I do that when I put on the red beret and red sateen jacket. And based on what I say on WABC Talk Radio. But this guy has done nothing to alienate anybody. Let me read to you, and you go to the New York Post online, you see it. It's, it, it I had to read it three times. I was aware of it only because uh, last night when I returned from uh, patrolling Times Square with the Guardian Angels, my phone was like ringing. Please, Curtis, they have these wanted posters of this monster who attacked our friend Simon Silverglade. He is in horrible pain and despair. We've got to take this monster out, the senior citizen attacker, before he does it again. There are very good photos of this guy. Uh, Before you get the flyers from us or the police department, please uh, go online, check it out. It's uh, it's horrible. And let me just recount for you what um, Hyman Silverglade underwent on the corner of 86th Street and 1st Avenue. It was 1030 in the morning. February 1st. All these attacks are uh, mostly daytime attacks. Just a few blocks from 88th Street and East End Avenue where that's the mayor's residence, Gracie Mansion. So it's not far at all. Highly uh, highly policed by NYPD. In fact, he was there at a reception today. I don't know what it was about, but the point is just a few blocks away. This horrible crime. And so this this man, 91-year-old man, is suffering from cancer and kidney failure. He's outside, and this monster shoves him to the ground, wants to snatch his wallet with the last strength in his body. He's fighting him off. Imagine a 91-year-old Hyman Silverglade is fighting him off as if all of a sudden uh, he was uh, one of the great Jewish boxers from years and years ago when they dominated uh, the various weight levels uh, during the Depression era. Anyway. 
The guy does not get the wallet. He walks off. He's now on his belly. He's screaming for help. Nobody comes to his help. Remember, this is 1030 in the morning. You know people are all around. He's crawling like a snake would with slitter on his belly, crawling towards the entrance of his apartment building. And then he says three angels came to assist him, three women. They picked him up. They brought him upstairs. They put him, laid him in the bed until the ambulance could come and take him. And he's in uh, intensive care. And it was amazing because he's so angry. He's saying, if I was a little younger, I'd, I, I get this guy and I teach him a lesson. I teach him a lesson. You can imagine the anger that he had. I mean, and the the level of apathy of the people walking by. I mean, I know that in New York City, obviously, there's a lot of people who don't want to get involved in situations if they see if they're by themselves. Maybe it's a dangerous situation. But I mean, the attack was over, and now you just have someone who's injured, older, crawling on the street, and you know, being ignored. I mean, that's like a whole next level. And, you know, 91 years old, and with all his health ailments, he's out, he's shopping, he's doing his own shopping, and now he might he has to go into rehab. Obviously, when you're that age going into rehab, that could be the last place you're going, which is ridiculous. Six bone fractures, a fracture of the lower spine. To have to spend time in rehab because some goon decided to rob you. I mean, this is... and. It explains why he wants to leave New York City. I mean, he's made it his home. He said, I, I either want to go to Texas or Israel. I mean, very few people are, you know, sort of are retiring in New York City these days. So you want to hold on to those people. And, you know, 1030 in the morning but should be safe to walk around. It, and there's a series of these things that have happened all over our five boroughs against those 65 plus. So he is fighting mad from his hospital bed. And he's begging people, come on, we all have to come together. The Upper East Side is uh, is experiencing an uh, unbelievable crime wave. They just had a, um, a doorman who rescued a woman who was being assaulted in the street. These two guys were stealing her cell phone. It was over there, 72nd in Madison, during the day, during the day. Yeah. And then as soon as he runs outside... The two guys roughing her up to steal her cell phones. Oh, she stole our cell phone. And he recognized that she wasn't going to steal their cell phone. And luckily, he was able to scare them off. But this is happening all over the city. Oh, no, and, and you're right. There's There's been an uptick, uh, definitely on the Upper East Side, uh, specifically 86. Anywhere where you see right around the train stations and the where the buses meet the trains, uh, there's a... Just a, a major uptick. So 86 and, you know, 72nd, that's right near the train oh, station, too. 86 and Lex. I've had conversations with Joan Hamburg, who is the dean of female broadcasters in talk radio, going way back to her days at WOR. She's here at WABC. I don't want to reveal her age, but she's approaching Hyman Silver Clay's age. And she says she won't even go out at night around there. I mean, it's you know what it is? it's a it's a great shopping corridor, eighty sixth. Uh, you know that's where the buses go up and down, so you can get uh, from the east side to the west side across the park. So you know it really is a nice uh, place to go shopping. But for now, the the criminality going on. So the police posters are out of this most wanted uh, uh, miscreant. Uh, the guardian angels will be out there. In fact, they'll be meeting them for a uh, funeral wake. For a uh, former guardian angel, unfortunately, passed away dangerous grounds. And then we went right into uh, the Upper East Side. But from that, let's go to the Lower East Side. And the guy who saved my life years ago, 
when members of the Gambino crime family had been sent by John Gotti Jr. to tool me up in April of 1992. It was, uh, uh, you had uh, Stephen Kaplan, the Jewish guy, you had uh, McLaughlin, the Irish guy, and you had Ruggiero, the Italian guy, and they hit me like 38 times. It preceded me being shot uh, in June 19th, 1992, in the back of that cab five times with hollow point bullets. The only one who came to my aid was Ray, the candy store guy, who has a 24-hour candy store right south of uh, Avenue A, St. Mark's. I lived at 131 Avenue A at the time. I used to get the newspapers. There was no internet at the time doing the morning show. And remember how savagely he was beaten uh, about a year ago? Can you describe that? Yeah, so this was a year ago. Uh, Two individuals went on a rampage in the Lower East Side. Uh, Ray was the, I think, the third uh, victim. And he was, you know, he's working in the store. He works there all night, this store. I mean, so 91 years old, and he works every day and all through the night. And uh, these, you know, these individuals came in. They demanded from him cash. He didn't have any. Uh, They wound up socking him in the face with a belt that had something on the end of it. Uh, so he was badly uh, beaten up. He was bruised. He went to, they took him to the hospital. I mean, you can see the pictures, uh, you know, the following day. It's just his entire eyes, his face. He goes back to work the next morning because that's just what he does. Um, you know, and he just continues working. But, you know, he said, you know, in all the time he's been there, this is probably the worst he's seen it. And he's not trying to, to leave the area. This is his store. This is his neighborhood. But finally, the uh, one of the people who actually committed the crime was sentenced this past week. So his name was Louis uh, Perosa, and he didn't have anything to say, but he was sentenced to 10 years uh, for basically what this was called first-degree assault. So, you know, I mean, I, I think it's certainly a f- um, fitting, and I'm, you know, so, I mean, I'm glad and a little bit surprised that they actually got this sentence for him. But, you know, this way, I mean, because this is a perfect example of people who should not be on the street. They shouldn't be in civilized society because you can't trust them not to just go around doing this crazy stuff. When I was tooled up with those baseball bats— 32 times they hit me. It was Ray who left the candy store to come to my aid. It was across in Tompkins Square Park. I had scurried over the fence that David Dinkins had put up when he was mayor because the anarchists had taken over the park, so there was a curfew. Thank God for that. Or I'd have been a vegetable or dead. I went to Beth Israel Medical Hospital. I checked myself out, just like Ray, the candy store guy. I mean, it's tougher than tough, Ray. If you're in that area, the Lower East Side, you got to go by Ray's Candy Store. It's a 24-hour operation. All the hipsters and millennials love him. Everybody loves Ray. Not Ray Romano. Ray the Candy Store guy. And let him know, Alvin Bragg, on this one, justice was done. Uh, I don't know what propelled him to actually go for the max. But thank God justice was done. Ray continues to work in 91. He's going to stay. But unfortunately, in the Upper East Side, if Hyman Silverglade can survive his cancer and his kidney failure and recovering from the wounds now, his six bone fractures, the fracture of his lower spine, because of this monster who shoved him to the ground, tried to snatch his wallet, Hyman fought him off and had to crawl to his apartment building where finally three women helped him. He's out of here. He said, guess what? If I'm still alive after all this ordeal, I'm heading to Texas or I'm heading to Israel. 
Check this out. It's the Riff and Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talking about this is the Riff and Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. Richard Nixon. Well, I'm not a crook. Ronald Reagan. Tear down this wall. George W. Bush. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And Donald Trump. A man who's gone through hell. But he's kept going, and he's smart, and he's strong, and people love him. Not everybody, but people love him and respect him. Roger Stone. All of these presidents relied on one man to secure their seat in the Oval Office. That man is Roger Stone. This is The Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. Roger Stone is on uh, Sundays here at WABC. Uh, gentlemen, uh, you can get me his time frame because he now has an additional duty on Saturday, the Stone Zone, from 4 to 5. Yes, I've been relegated to being the boy boy, ball boy on the field. Wait a second, you're, now you're not second string, you're third string? I'm third string. <laughs> I, I'm relegated to either being the bat boy or the ball boy. John Katzmatidis, who was getting in the ring uh, with uh, Rogers, excuse me, with um, uh, with Anthony Weiner, left versus right, and bogarting me and saying, "That's it, I'm in there with Anthony," has relegated uh, his position uh, and said, "I'll be more than happy to be on the bench as the pinch hitter." So the, the ratings now to take on Anthony Weiner on Saturday's left versus right. He does two hours of his own, two to four, in which he spends a good deal of time taking on Trumpers. He's the only one at this station uh, who is a hardcore Joe Biden supporter. Uh, there are others who are not a Trumper support, Trump supporter, but they're not supportive of uh, Biden. But, boy, he is. And he's digging in because um, Roger Stone is, without a doubt, a uh, political hitman. He goes back to Richard Nixon. He knows where everyone's political bones are buried, who buried them. He's been on the outside looking in. He was the campaign manager, Nancy, for Al Slim Shady Sharpton's Democratic primary run for the presidency, which was just to be uh, used um, as confusion for the Democrats. And, man, and... I'll never forget, there was a meeting that Frank Morano, the Mamaluke, attended with a lot of Republicans. They had gone to Trump Tower. They were trying to encourage uh, citizen Trump at that time to run for governor against Andrew Evilize Cuomo. And Roger Stone interrupted all of them and said, no, Donald, you should run for president. I've been telling you that for years. Uh, Donald Trump took uh, his advice, rejected Frank Morano and all the other Republicans' advices who wanted him to run for governor against Andrew Evilize Cuomo. And you know the rest of that history. Man, this is going to be classic. And then, here it is. I can't believe John Katsimatidis, who had coined the phrase, Anthony! <laughs> Anthony! Whose ratings, 4 to 5, were better than mine with Anthony Weiner. Uh, but I have a feeling this these ratings here are going to be at an all-time high. Oh, no, this is going to be interesting. I'm, I'm tuning in. 
So it's four to five Saturdays. If you can't hear it live, you go to the podcast. Anthony Weiner, before that, two to four, pure Democrat, pure Biden supporter, no doubt about it. You know all about Roger Stone. Uh, I don't think uh, Donald Trump has a better friend in the world who's been with him through thick and thin and has caused uh, John Katsimatidis to agree to take a spot on the bench. And yours truly, I got a choice either to be the ball boy or the bat boy. But you're right. And if you want to hear pure Roger Stone on his own, the Stone Zone show, he's on here, WABC, 4 to 6 on Sundays. Just an hour before I come on with Andrew Giuliani, uh, who's in my uh, Curtis Sliwa boot camp and talk radio show host, doing very good, 8 to 9. Not just talking his father or uh, Donald Trump any longer. Wide panoply of issues. Nancy, you follow from 9 to 10, and it's not just uh, animal issues. It's actually all issues that require a deep dive as an e-attorney. You're able to uh, revive a lot of these uh, contracts, uh, with no-bid contracts, redacted, and then basically attach them to the political officials who get wine dined and pocket lined, and then uh, you say contract, and then we look at their kickbacks. And then the Animal Welfare Hour, which will be um, syndicated across the nation from coast to coast. Uh, Nancy uh, has pioneered in this. There's going to be a new Animal Welfare uh, uh, actual website that all of our listeners will be able to get involved with because that interest in your animal welfare stories and how you can help them continues to grow and grow and grow. Talk Radio 77. WABC.